following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz. And welcome everybody to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with uh, my co-host, the titillating, tenacious Tyler Dean. What's up? Yeah. Um, not a whole lot. We've got. Uh, it was a fun, fun wild card weekend. It was pretty intense the whole way through until the uh, last game. That yeah, got interesting in a whole different way. Well, see, the the last game was I, I thought it was fun. You know. The first game, I, I actually thought Saturday had the three best games, the the, the Saturday games. But the Sunday, mm. the the first Sunday game was like watching paint dry. Was that the first? No, the second one. It was the Saints-Bears game, watching paint dry. That was Saturday. Was that Saturday? Yeah, no. Was it? I, I, I don't it was know. Sunday. I, I, we'll have to look at it. But anyway. Because really the only bad game was that and kind of the Brown Steelers. But I, I don't even know that the Brown Steelers were bad because I don't <laughs> nobody expected it. <laughs> I think the two be- best like pure games were the were the two um, powerhouse AFC games being the Ravens Titans and the Bills. Colts. Yep. So so the Bears Saints game was on Sunday. It was the second game on Sunday. Um, but that that was like watching paint dry. It, it was bad. It was just bad. <laughs> It was so boring to watch. I mean, and, and I get it. Like some people like that old school football. Oh, let's watch. I do. Yeah, let's watch that that you know, defensive football game, and I'm okay with that. But, man, that one was, was a sle- – it was a snoozer. Like, the, the, the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl is one of my favorite Super Bowls. But, yeah, but – Because I love defensive football. Yeah, but this this was just a sleepy game. <laughs> it, it really was. They were both so bad. Um, so, we've, we've got a – well, we've got six scores for you going into this, this – uh, Super wild card uh, yes, Yeah, that's what they were calling it. Super wild card. Super. So, are we always going to call it Super wild card weekend now? I, I, I think they are because it's now – well, and, and now it's going to depend whether or not they extend it to the eight games or to well, the eight teams. That won't, it won't be extended to eight teams for at least four years. So I think they're committed for the seven for a while. Yeah, and that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, but the, so, if, they ha- if that happens, is it going to be the mega yeah. wild card weekend? <laughs> Weekend. It's gonna be extreme. I mean, it, I would be very interested to watch four or watch eight wild card games. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am excited for you know two full days worth of football. They'll probably if they do an eight eighteen thing and they've got the two extra games, they're probably gonna have to move a couple of them to like Monday night. Have a double no, Monday I night game. I think they're getting well shoot because you don't want to have two games here at the same time, right? I, I maybe <laughs> they, they they could do two Monday night. Oh, for, you could do a Friday night and a Monday afternoon. Yeah, I I could see. Well, well you're probably going to do a Monday night. You you'll do Monday night football. That causes new uh, uh, disadvantages. Mm-hmm. And it 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 reduces the the uh, plus side of getting that number one seed if they see, have to play. See, I, I think that's why they won't do it, because you're, you're going to see a lot of teams all of a sudden benching their players because they don't care where they land as long as they're in the top four. Right. At that point, it doesn't matter. Because if that's the case, Chiefs would have stopped playing their players um, five weeks ago. Oh, yeah. They, they had it locked up. So, 
But uh, Tyler, let's get into uh, if they don't if they don't change the reseeding thing that we were, like we were talking about the whole NFC probably could have benched at, at week five and and still would have been number four seed being the division winner. Oh God, the NFC wouldn't have passed you. The NFC is horrible, horrible. And you kind of saw that throughout the throughout Wild Card Weekend a little bit. Too. Oh yeah, the, the AFC is uh significantly stronger right now. Yeah, the AFC is is the more dominant. And it comes side. in wa- it comes in waves. We we had a few years where the NFC was kind of the. Uh, well, I remember the, the juggernaut. Maybe not have the best team, but had a quantity of great teams. Yeah, I, I remember through the '90s. I mean, you, you, especially through the '90s, you, you'd always get you know Super Bowls that were. I mean, let's look at it from from like '88 all the way to 2000. You had Giants, you had Redskins, you had Cowboys, you had 49ers. All those teams winning Super Bowls all throughout the 90s. And it wasn't until, and then you had the Packers win one. It wasn't until John Elway and the Broncos that they broke that mold of, of that, that entire decade. And, and it was funny. like So I, I watched the documentary. It's called The Last Dance. It was that Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah. And when they're, when they're on there, they're, they're getting on their plane and they're talking about how the the Broncos won the Super Bowl and every, nobody expected the Broncos to win the Super Bowl over the Packers. Everybody was like, and at one point, the their head coach goes, "Well, the AFC finally won one. It's been a long time." <laughs> and he's looking, and now now I think what we're seeing here is is um, you know we're seeing the AFC is just so dominant. I mean, just dominant. You had. Ten and six teams missing the playoffs. That, that was a big deal. Like, yeah. yeah, the Miami Dolphins and, missed the playoffs this year. And had Miami won, they would have had an eleven and five team miss the playoffs. Right. I mean, you, you've got. Uh, I mean, that that was. This has been a red hot year for the AFC, and and I think all of the AFC teams are I mean, AFC's in five straight right now. Yeah, and and I think all the AFC teams are are relatively strong right now. And then you look at the NFC teams, and it's like every one of them has their fault. Every one of them has like, I mean, the the Saints and the Packers are obviously the two strongest in the NFC. But then you look at the rest of them, the Bucks they they're so hit or miss. The Rams, I mean, they same they, thing. Same thing. That well, the thing about the Rams is they've got this great defense. They got the number one defense in the league, and then you go and you look at their offense, and they're just looking, you know, rough. They don't have their starting quarterback in, and even with Goff in, uh, it was questionable. Um, Washington made the playoffs. They're garbage. I mean, I still stand by that. It'd been a much better situation, different situation had Alex Smith played. Mm. The whole I, season I, I and think, this game. Um, I think they're, they'd be in a different situation, but do I think that Washington? I I don't think they would have beat the Bucks. Honestly, I think the Bucks would have just with Alex out. Smith versus um um Heineke or whatever his name is Taylor Heineke. Heineke. Um, he played well, but I definitely played well. I think Al, if Alex Smith played, they, Washington wins that game. Yeah. Um, and then you you've got I, I, the Bears. They they not good. They back and their I, way. The in. AFC teams have faults too. But I think their uh, their strengths are so are so strong that that kind of hides the faults. Mm-hmm. Like, and, it, uh, and it's going to be tough. Like this, like with, with Chiefs and Browns, it's obviously the defense, right? With uh, 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 Ravens, it's obviously the pass game. Mm-hmm. With with Colts, it's their run game because they're in dire straits of their run game now. Yep. But their strengths are so good 
that they're kind of getting around it. Yeah, the Colts, the the big thing about the Colts, and probably one of the most overlooked things about the Colts, is that defense is ranked very, very high. Yes. They've got a tremendous defense. Um, and, and, you know, Xavier Rhodes, that bastard, he's played so well since going over there uh, to, to the Colts. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that their defensive coordinator, that he says they've, they've simplified things for, for the Colts. And they've simplified things for uh, the DBs over there. So, and, and the Mike Zimmer system requires a lot more of corners versus going to the Colts where it requires them to know specific things or do certain things, but not as much as the Zimmer system. Um, and it, it's been better for him. Uh, the Bills, they, they actually have a good defense over there. they got a good pass rush. Tr- Tredavious White has just been awesome. He has been the guy that has been so overlooked for so many years. And now, yeah, I mean, especially especially this last game, Tredavious White looked like a monster. He looked great, and and people just he has not gotten the credit that that he that he deserves. But they also look relatively human in this game too. Yeah, there are times look like that Colts are going to run run away with the game, and I think while the Bills have a good pass rush. It's, they need a whole other version of that defense to uh, stop the Ravens' run game. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting the thing. Pass, the, a great pass rush is, is kind of uh, irrelevant to, to Lamar. Now, to be fair, to be fair in, in the, the Colts-Bills game, they, they did hold Jonathan Taylor to 78 yards. Now, yes, he did get a touchdown. Naheem Hines had the one big run where he broke off that, that one big run. Yeah, but other than that, he didn't play very yeah, well. Yeah, he didn't either. play very well either. So I mean, to be fair, the Bills did handle. They, the, they did well on, the, on, on stopping the run, but um, it is a different dynamic. Yep. Now the Bills, the big problem for the Bills right now is they can't run the football. So that, that I mean, Devin Singletary is not going to get it done. They're going to have to rely. Josh Allen is going to have to take that team, put them on their back, put them on his back. Him and Stephon Diggs, and they're. Gonna and there's to a go. lot of chatter about who has a bigger advantage because of a snow game potentially. And, right. And, and there's there's arguments on both sides. Yeah. T- traditionally, I'm having that snow is gonna is gonna take out the deep ball. Yep, which is one of uh, Josh Allen's bread and butters. But it also makes running a little difficult too. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think uh, I think uh, having a lot of snow on the ground um, as far as running benefits, like a J.K. Dobbins, better than anybody. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna. What they're gonna say is that, that they don't want the snow. And frankly, I don't want the snow because I want to see both these teams at their and, very And best. Josh Allen said, and they say Josh Allen, he's he's comfortable in the snow. He's played in the snow through high school, college, oh, yeah. and all that. But snow's snow. Yeah, that's you're, not gonna, you're not gonna have Josh Allen come out and say, "Yeah, I want it to snow." No one <laughs> wants it to snow in football. Nobody does. Um, but let's let's swing over. Let's talk about our our scores. Um, I, I want to get it jump into Wild Card Weekend. So here are your scores for the uh, Wild Super Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, forget that Super. Yes, yeah, Super. Starting with the Colts and the Bills. Uh, speak of the the Devil. The the Bills eke past the Colts, twenty seven twenty four. Philip Rivers has himself a hell of a game. Jonathan Taylor, um, he did have twenty one carries for seventy eight yards. He did have a touchdown. Uh, beyond him, I mean, we we did like I said, we did get the one. Uh, big run from Naheem Hines over there on the, the Colts side of the football. Big surprise for me, and we were talking about it as this game was going on. I was I was texting with you. Michael Pittman was just having himself a game. He, oh, he totally was. And and I like Michael Pittman a lot. I just think that that guy is the bee's knees as far as a lot of the, the draft picks went. And Josh Allen had himself a hell of a game, too. 324, two touchdowns. Um, he did have the, the one rushing touchdown and Stefan Diggs, man, golly, you know, he's, he's played really, really well this year in that bill system. Um, 
And Gabriel Davis, too, for that matter. Uh, Gabriel Davis doesn't get enough credit. Cole Beasley as well. Yep. Cole Beasley has had a good year. But um, Gabriel Davis is a guy that I think is just underutilized, especially for as young as he is. I like Gabriel Davis. But the, the, the Bills, they, they've had a hell of a season. Uh, the Colts go home. We're, we're in a situation now where they don't know if Phillip Rivers is going to return next year. Oh, he's saying if, it, if he's a Colt, he's playing. Yeah, and that's that's kind of so what that, it is. So the ball's in the, in, uh, in the Colts. In, in the Colts court. Yeah, and, and I, I would like to see Rivers back for one more year, but... Uh, as far as where the Colts are from a cat perspective, it's kind of looking like you're going to be seeing the Jacob Eason uh, affirmation there coming into next season. Very well could be. Yep. So the Bills, they will be moving on. They're getting ready to take on your Ravens uh, this upcoming week. Next up, you got the Rams and the Seahawks. Rams beat the Seahawks in a very surprising upset. Uh, Jared Goff, so John Wolford comes into the game, gets knocked out by an errant shoulder to the head. Jared Goff comes in and just plays god-awful, 9 for 19 for 155. But to be fair, the dude is, is off of thumb surgery. Yeah, it's not a game that you can you can uh, put on on his resume as being like what represents him because he was active, so it, it kind of told everybody that he was healthy enough to play if he needed to. Yep. But the fact that they started Wolford in a playoff game when you, when you have your, your starting quarterback active says a lot that he wasn't ready ready exactly and uh wolford he's got a sprained neck they're saying a sprained neck and a stinger um it was a nasty hit yeah clean so hit but nasty it, it was clean and and you know uh but the guy who kept him in this whole thing was cam Akers. cam Akers, 28 cam carries man 131 and a touchdown he had he had a lot of uh he had two catches for 45 yards i mean he was the the all-star that they needed him to be he blew up at the end of the season and and I remember I we it was funny I was drafting for fantasy football and we were looking I was looking down the list and I see Cam Akers sitting there and he was sitting relatively high. Nobody knew that Cam Akers was going to be you know any good and he wasn't very good for the first part of the season. Yeah, because where he's being drafted was still you know, way too high. Oh yeah, and then the latter part of the season he just exploded. And uh, Cam Akers again keeps his team alive. That defense keeps his team alive. Um, and the Rams beat the Seahawks 30-20, to and they're going to move on. They're taking on uh, the uh, Green Bay Packers this upcoming week. The Seahawks' offense looks sluggish. Oh, they did. They looked rough around the edges. Um, one thing that I've noticed about the Seahawks is is uh, their running game has not been what it's normally been. You know, Chris Carson has not been the traditional Chris Carson that we're used to seeing. So I, I have questions about that. Um, next up, you got the Bucks and the Redskins. Buccaneers beat the Redskins 31 to 23, as we all kind of expected. Um, Taylor Heineke started for for uh, the Washington Football, not the Redskins, the Washington Football Team. Excuse me, um, and he did well. I like he Taylor did. Heineke. I do. I, I just you know, and he looked like a starting quarterback. He's a he's a former third stringer, and he did. He looked like a starting quarterback. I mean, I don't think anybody can tell me otherwise. Um, the big story here is is Cam Sims. He, though, he, other than Tyler Heineke, Sims played extremely well. He was making all kinds of yeah, catches. And it's, and it's not that um, McLaren or Thomas didn't, just Sims went off. Yeah. Because Sim- they, they had good games as well. Yeah, Sims Sims was, was kind of, it seemed like every time a big play needed to be needed to happen, Cam Sims was there. Um, so he's looking like more and more of a deep threat for those guys. On the Buck side, you know, Brady, 381, two touchdowns. He didn't have so his completion 
even though it was a, a good game from a yardage perspective, and Tom Brady was really chucking the ball down the field a lot, he was only 22 for 40. Because um, the 31 points doesn't paint a good picture, but the Washington defense did do a good job for the most part in this game. Right. Um, they were um, Bucks were punting the ball, and because the the reason that they were able to score so much is the offense couldn't really keep themselves off the field. Yep. Or on the field. Mike Evans had himself a good game. Uh, Chris Godwin he got in the end zone. Antonio Brown gets in the end zone, and you know I know a couple weeks ago he was looking like a number one receiver in a couple of those games. Um, he looked like a number three here. He only, I mean, he got in the end zone, though. Um, so that's always a plus to have a guy like that on your football team. Um, next up, your boys, your Ravens. They go out, they they break Lamar's curse. Which truly felt like the game of the week, too. Yep, and they, they break Lamar's curse, and, and they bring down the Titans 20-13. to 13. It's always kind of silly, um, and they even kind of talk about it as, um, it's kind of silly to, to uh, say a guy can't win the win the playoffs over two games. It's like, um, right. it's like uh, if I, I don't know, I can't think of a good example right now, but it's like, it's like you're, you're basing uh, a long-time thing under a very small sample size. It's like if a, if a rookie breaks out for 100 yards on his first game, it's like, this guy's going to be the best rookie ever. Like, yeah, yeah. It's I, one game. Lamar, Lamar, he did have one of the most, I mean, so to credit the Titans, they slowed down, I mean, other than the one big run, uh, they slowed down Lamar as they, far as that running game goes. They slowed him down. Um, Dobbins and, and Edwards kind of split the carries, but they both had um, fairly good averages yeah. as well. And it's going to be it's going to be the Dobbins and Edwards show going forward if they're able to resign him. About when it comes to Lamar and in, in that running game, a lot of the the planned runs, a lot of those QB option runs, were shut down, uh, and and that was a big thing I've noticed that. And, and how the Titans, it's almost how you have to play the Ravens, is is the Titans, they, they were in a lot of nickel defense, and you can tell that they took a, that, that nickel corner, and you can tell they were taking those safeties on the outside and saying, that's your job, and pointing at Lamar and saying, that guy is your assignment, that's your job, I want you to hit him if he runs anywhere. Now, we're... Now, where they struggled, though, is because even if you take out that one big run, I think it was 45 yards, mm-hmm. um, 15 carries on 90 yards is still still pretty good for Lamar there, right. still pretty good average. Where they struggled was the uh, plays in which Lamar, where the where the pass broke down and, and Lamar took off. Right. As the play, as plays advanced, they couldn't stop Lamar. Exactly. It's when, it was when, like, like you said, they, they were able to stop him on the, on the planned quarterback runs. Mm-hmm. The ones in which he had to um, change the play and, and take off, they had no answer for it. And that's what I think the difference is in, in regular season football versus playoff football. When you're taking on the creme de la creme and, and you're standing there, oh, I'm going to do this planned run, and, and you just get stuffed. These mm-hmm. teams, especially with, with seasoned defensive coordinators like they have in Tennessee, they're going to be able to stop those type of things. And they're going to, they're going to you know, put those, you know, uh, how they, they're going to be able to put the guys in place to put an end to that. Um, but the Ravens, what they, it was funny because in, in kudos to Lamar because he was able to back up and you know uh, uh, take off on on those pass breakdowns. Because like you said. It, it had it started to have this this game started off it started like a flashback of last year where just Titans are going to do their thing and yep. to me the bigger the bigger thing that Lamar broke as far as curses I mean it's, to me it was never about can't win when the playoffs it was about to me the bigger thing was the um, proving you can come back. Yeah, 
They, they were down ten nothing. They were down ten. The second start, second quarter started. It was it was lights out for for the Ravens, and they, and they shut Tennessee down basically to the end of the game. Yep. And to credit the Ravens defense, they so they did have a problem with AJ Brown during this game. AJ Brown had a, a heck of a game, and he was probably the only. But he, that was the thing. He was the only thing keeping them alive. If you looked at um, and and to be fair, in this situation. A.J. Brown had a push-off in that end zone, in that touchdown, that should have been offensive pass interference. Everybody knows it. Um, had he not had that touchdown, this would have been a 20-6 to game. But if, if you look, I have to credit their defense because if you look at the not only the passing stats for Ryan Tannehill, only getting 165 yards, which is more than he had last year because last year he only had 91 yards against you guys. But rushing-wise, this, and this is the big story, rushing-wise, they shut down Derrick Henry on 18 carries for 40 yards. He only had a 2.2 average for 40 and, yards. And because one of the biggest things to talk about Henry is he's one of the only running backs that never that always falls forward. Right. He almost never like, never did. And, and, and a lot of these were single-player were single player tackles, too. He was getting pounded in the backfield. I mean, you can tell they, they had a concerted effort to take Derrick Henry down. And they were successful. You, you, you guys had a very successful defense, um, and and that was what they had to focus on. And I don't want to say that they let A.J. Brown um, have his catches, but they almost said, if you're going to beat us, it's going to have to be through your pass game, and, and right. it, in turn it turns into A.J. Brown. Right. But they said Derrick Henry will not be a part of this offense, and that's exactly what they did. And there were so many occasions, just to throw this out there, yeah, A.J. Brown, but there were so many occasions where, where Tennessee, and I, I still don't understand it to this day, where they didn't have Corey Davis on the field. I don't understand why you wouldn't have your number two receiver on the field for a lot of these things when Corey Davis has been very successful over the last several weeks. You should have had Corey Davis on the field. 100%. Um, next up, you got the Saints and the Bears. The Saints top the Bears 21-9. Mitch Trubisky um, looked okay. He, he did look okay. He had 199 yards and a touchdown. Um and, and that was kind of a garbage time touchdown. The the Saints, I, I mean, the defense shut that, shut them down. The big thing for the Bears is they're a very run-happy team. And the Saints, they are a very, very, run-happy. very run good run-stopping run defense. They have, and, and before this, I think they had, what, a, like a 21 or 22-game streak where they didn't allow a 100-yard rusher? Yeah, and Montgomery was their lead rusher on 31 yards on 20, and 12 carries. It wasn't, a, it wasn't good. It wasn't a good outing. Trubisky looked okay. Um, and then over on the Saints side, you have Drew Brees over here, 265, two, fish, uh, two touchdowns, just very efficient. I, um, I, do, I do think that uh, Bears did a fairly good job at kind of of kind of containing this game from getting out of hand, though, because mm-hmm. it had it had the um the, like the look that the, that Saints could could put up forty points, but the Bears didn't kind of didn't allow it. Yep, and, and the returning Michael Thomas, he did get in the end zone. He only had five catches on the day. Deontay Harris actually had the most, um, and and that looks like that's the Drew Brees of old, where he's spreading the ball out amongst a group of guys. You can see seven, five, four, two, two. I mean, he had a lot of different pass catchers in this game. And, and Harris and Thomas got the bulk of it, followed by Jared Cook. But you, you're seeing Drew Brees spreading the ball out more like he did during that Super Bowl year. Okay. And, I agree. And and that's what you got to like. And then you look at uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, 99 yards. He had a touchdown. He did break off one big run in that for, for a touchdown. Bears defense played pretty efficient in stopping the run as well. Yeah. Um, both defense are, are very good in, in, in run defense, and both did phenomenal. It, it was a – it was, both quarterbacks really were, were fairly efficient, and, and it was just a matter of, of slowing down that run game, 
and containing. It was that bend but don't break philosophy, and and the Saints, they they bent but they, they didn't did break. It yeah, and uh, twenty-one and nine. It was it was kind of a low-scoring affair, but um, Saints get to move on, and they're going to be taking on the Bucks next week. And uh, I mean. Wahoo! That, that'll be an exciting one. You get to see Breeze Brady. What part three this season? Yeah. And this is this is not. I mean, oh God, their first meeting was back in two thousand and three. I want to say it was two thousand two, something like that, when Breeze was still with the Chargers at that particular time. And uh, last but not least, you got the the forty eight to thirty seven. Hell of a fun ride. Uh, Cleveland beats the Steelers forty eight thirty seven. Uh, Baker Mayfield had himself a hell of a game. Can't can't deny that. Uh, 21 for 34, 263, three touchdowns on the day. Um, he was impressive. Nick Chubb also had himself a pretty decent game. Um, Hunt did as well. Yeah. He had a couple touchdowns. I, I think Hunt had a bigger run in there, though, that, that kind of moved the average up a little bit. Yeah, but. Hunt had a, a bigger run. And what, it was, it, I got to tell you, I, I did, Kareem Hunt, for, for the life of me, when he was playing for the Chiefs, I always looked at him as kind of an invasive type of back rather than a power runner. Man, I got to tell you, that guy was putting effort into his runs. He was getting physical. He looked like a power runner. I mean, it was... Which is normally the Chubbs. Yeah. And Chubb kind of played as Kareem Hunt normally would with four catches on 69 yards and a touchdown. Right. And they, they were getting they were getting things done. And I got to tell you... I, I mean, like I like the trickery there because you're not thinking that Chubb's going to catch the ball in the... Um, and go, but, he, but it was him that did. And one of his catches was a huge gain down the sidelines. It was just, it was fun to watch. I uh, kind of called a little, a little trickery football there because they, they, you got Hunt all of a sudden, it, it, when Hunt gets the ball, both defenses start to go to the out to get him, and he went, nope, center. Yep, right up the middle. Um, Chubb looked great. Kareem Hunt looked great. Landry, Hooper, Mayfield. I mean, the Browns' offense looked great. Their defense, so even their defense looked good right up until around the third quarter. Right, right when they, after the half, things got a little hairy, and um, they they did just enough to eke that one out. The Steelers started fighting back, but it wasn't enough. Um, and and Ben, man, what a rough outing. You know, he did have the four touchdowns. He had 68 attempts in this game. He had 501 yards through the air, four touchdowns, but also. Four picks, and those picks not only did those kill him, but that wild snap to start the whole game was kind of it. It was it reminded me so much of the Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl, where that first play, that wild snap, went right over Peyton Manning's head. This time, it goes right over Ben Roethlisberger's head. And, and just to put in perspective the rarity of that, you're, you're talking probably the longest, t- longest um, tenured, most experienced center in the game right mm-hmm. now. And Pouncey did that. Yep. And, and it, it went right over his head. The, the Browns recover it in the end zone. Touchdown. I mean, Can you blame Pouncey? Yeah, you can. But not really. The, I mean, it, it happens to anybody. Right. And, and it just so happens that it happens in a big game yeah. on the first play. Smith-Schuster had himself a big, big game. 13 receptions, 157 and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson, who's actually come alive in the last couple of weeks. He's... And that, it was funny to kind of watch like all, all of the, the problems that these guys, because each one of these individuals has had a problem throughout the, the season. Deontay Johnson, Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner. Every problem that they had throughout the season emerged in the first half of that football game. Deontay Johnson with the drops. Uh, uh, James Conner not able to get going, and he wasn't able to get going for basically the whole game. 11 carries on 37 yards and a touchdown. I, I mean, it, it was, and then Ben, Ben with his picks all throughout the beginning. He had the case of the picks. 
I, I just, it was insanity to me. And I don't know if you got it as a news story, but and if, if, if you do, we're just going to jump right into it. If, if you're not a man in it right now, we're just going to mm. talk about it. Chase Claypool. Yeah, um, I, I do have that. So, here's the thing. When you lose, you need to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Uh, oh, I the mean, Browns are going to get clapped by the Chiefs. If you, in the I mean, even if you win, it's still stuff you shouldn't do. Yeah. And and not to say that Tomlin's a bad coach, because he's not. Um, he's, he's more of a people's coach. But he needs to bring the reins down and and, uh, and kind of bring the hammer down these and like Juju and, and Claypool. Or he's going to lose the team. Yeah. It, my thing about, about Claypool opening his mouth is, bro, you lost. You lost and bad. Yeah, you you get you lost. And and Claypool did, to to his credit, he did have two touchdowns in the game. But Chase Claypool is is a, a number three slash number four receiver on that football team near the end of the season. But at first, yeah. it looked like he's gonna be like the one. But, yeah, and, and but still, I don't I don't care who you are. You just lost. Why are you saying anything? Right. You you have no business to say anything. You lost. And and realistically. Uh, Chase Claypool, I agree with you. He needs to shut his mouth because you just got beat. And and this and this does fall on Mike Tomlin. He 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 needs to he needs to not play nice and put the hammer down. Otherwise, if this team continues on that path with the Juju mm. dance, because Juju is on third down, they're down twenty. He's dancing out there. Right. No. No. You're you don't you don't go and dance. Um, I I kinda... if he doesn't get their shit together, you could see uh, Mike Tomlin after next season get the Doug Peterson treatment. You think so? Fired not because you're not a good coach, but because you lost your team. Yeah. And you see it happen every once in a while. Yeah, I I agree. And granted, I know Pittsburgh doesn't fire coaches. They they, they never have. But, well, since before Chuck Noll. Mm-hmm. But you, you, got, you got to reel it in. You and, have to. And we got to talk about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was starting all his crap. The dude, I don't know what it is about that guy. But and and about with the so Anthony Miller gets ejected from this game, right? For throwing a punch at him, and then you got <laughs> earlier this season. I, I think it was Wims comes up and punches him in the face, like straight up, just punches him in the face, hard, helmet or no helmet. And then granted, it looked like kind of a a a, a punch a big fat pussy would throw because it, it looked like a little bitch punch. But that's not the point. It's or- the point. You you. What is Gardner Johnson doing to cause this? Why is this occurring? And and also, I, I thought one of the penalties in this game was was kind of silly. At one point, one of the Bears players goes to toss the ball over the referee's head and got called for a penalty because he thought that he was throwing the ball at Gardner Johnson, and he wasn't. So they they called it, and it was like, wait, what? What's going on? It was just a, a silly shit that that goes on. Not the one that hit the ref. Yeah, silly shit that goes on during these games. Um, and and I just <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand why you would go and punch a guy in the face on the field or throw a punch at the guy. You you got to be saying some messed up stuff about like his dead grandma or something to cause all that nonsense. And the league needs to come down on Gardner Johnson too because he's the one instigating this shit. Yes, you know. So I mean that that needs to go on. But those are your scores around around the league. Um, we'll be talking about the the bracket here in a minute. But as it stands, those are your scores. Now we got some news. We we got some coaching carousel going on here, Tyler. Um, 
Lions, and we got some GM carousel going on. The Lions have signed the former Rams college scouting director Bradley Holmes to a new GM job. It's a five-year deal. Um, I like it, and I don't. It's not fantastic, but it's not horrible. It's one of those moves, because especially with the guys they were talking about getting, comparatively, I don't think it's there. You were talking about Seattle's general manager. You're talking about the Steelers' general manager. I mean, that's a big play to pull a GM that's that's actively on a team. Though, right. Still. And and you're, you're talking about these, and then you go, man, we'll take the head of college scouting. And frankly, I don't think the Rams have had that good of scouting classes. I think a lot of their stars on their football team are, are free agent guys. If you look at, at the way that they've been, been playing it and you look at their rosters, You've got a lot of big name free agents, whether it be or, or guys that you traded for, Robert Woods and Fowler and all these name guys. I don't know that I necessarily buy this. I, I understand he's had some decent guys come through. Aaron Donald, Cooper, uh, very good, obviously Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, who's been good, but Jared Goff, who's been pretty good. But I don't know that a lot of it has to do with his scouting as much as it has to do with the free agents they have on their football team. Yeah, like in Robert Woods' case, I'd go that more coaching because um, Robert Woods wasn't good before he came to to Rams. He he was okay. Um, he, he was nowhere near what he is now. Yeah, he was nowhere near what he is now. But he was he was okay when he was with with Buffalo. I think they just they figured out how to utilize him better. He was looking like the number one in Buffalo for a hot minute, and then it just fell off. Um, he had a couple of hot games, and then he just died. I don't I don't understand what was going on. But in Buffalo, we never crossed 700 yards. Right. So I mean, I I like Robert Woods, um, but he you know free agent guy. You know you you look at who they had. They had Brandon Cooks, free agent guy. These are not guys that they're getting um, from from the draft as far as the scouting goes. So I mean, it's good that the Lions got their new general manager. I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm just glad they did it before they got their coach because I mean going coach first is silly. But I will say from a hypothetical standpoint, that this could be the situation where the Lions actually pull off some decent drafts. They have not had a good draft history, the Detroit Lions. They, they have not. Eric Ebron in the first round and Pettigrew and all these guys that they've been picking up in the first round. This last year, it's probably yeah. been their best draft over the last Was it few. Lakin Tomlinson. Ooh. You know, I mean, they, they've had some, some pretty rough drafts. I, I'm not uh, – this this might be what they're looking for is to build through the draft, which is what a lot of teams do. I know the Vikings do it. But this this is – it could be an improvement on that, but I don't know that I buy this guy as a general manager of this football team. Time will tell. <clears throat> um, the Falcons right now are looking to sign the Saints assistant general manager slash vice president of pro personnel, Terry Finanat. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, for the vacant GM role, look, you're going to I I kind of like it and I kind of don't I don't know that that I don't know that this guy had as much um uh pull I guess you could say as the Saints general manager currently does um and and I don't know that this guy I think their their mindset is obviously he comes off of that tree we're going to be successful and the Saints have had a very a lot of success for the last what 11 12 years Yeah I Depends how you look at it, because um, everyone's different. Because I, I I compare it to uh, Ravens in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric DaCosta taking over for Ozzy. Yep. Um, in that situation, it worked out 
significantly well. Eric DaCosta was the um, assistant GM for a long time. Right. And he took off right where Ozzy left off. Exactly. And that's that's kind of the difference of philosophy there is is they're 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 on the same team and they're looking at the same philosophy, doing the same damn thing. Whereas you're going from the Saints, who are a very different team than the Falcons and where the but Falcons where it could be good is um this guy could could like DaCosta carry that same philosophy and create the new philosophy in Atlanta. Yeah, it is a possibility. So I'm not going to say it's a bad thing. It could turn out very well, but not every situation ends up at that best case scenario, and that's what Ravens ended up with. Best case scenario. It's not all. It's not all sunshines and daisies. Right. Now the coaching carousel is in full effect. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steelers and and here's the so one of these I'm not a big fan of. Well, two of them I'm not. One of them I agree with. So the Steelers decide to part way, and you know how shit rolls downhill. They part ways with their offensive coordinator, Randy Fitchner, their offensive line coach, Sean Serrett, and the defensive back coach, Tom Bradley. Um, I do not agree with getting rid of Fitchner or Serrett. I don't... No. I don't think... Your your O-line has been one of your best things. In the league. At yeah. That. And your offense has been very efficient for a long time. Yep. They're, your defensive backs have not been good, and... So I'm okay with getting rid of I'm getting rid Bradley. of Tom Bradley, but you're getting rid of your offensive line coach when you had a very good offensive line. I it, it And Ben Roethlisberger has not been sacked this year very much. He's been the least sacked quarterback in the league. So why are you getting rid of your offensive line coach? It doesn't make sense. They have good DBs, but it's been a product of bringing good ones into the system. Bingo. Um, um, he hasn't coached up good DBs. Like when I think of like a good um defensive back coach, and I I go back to Baltimore and how like Elliott and Chuck Clark came kind of come out of nowhere. Yep. And I, after both being six rounders, <clears throat> that's what makes a good positions coach: guys who can coach guys who no one's looking at, not because your team traded for Mika Fitzpatrick. Yeah, <laughs> and Joe Hayden. Yeah, you 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 get these great players, and, and it's like you, you want and you you want you want a cookie for being a for being a good positions coach. You, you already got the position taken care of. Yeah, it's already handled. Coach Coach John Doe in, in, on the practice squad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Let's see if you can build that guy up. Um, speaking of 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 certain defensive coordinators, Chuck Pagano, he's retiring. Um, I like Chuck Pagano. I've always liked too. Chuck Pagano. Uh, he he's that one's gonna gonna sting a little bit, I think, but I, I think depends who they bring in. Yeah, but I think he's gonna be a okay. They're, they're gonna be okay. Uh, congratulations to Chuck on a very long career. Um, the Bears have decided to retain their head coach Matt Nagy and their GM Ryan Pace. I'm good with that. Um, I'm good with that. I think Matt Nagy, ha- he, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with okay, you made the playoffs this year, yada yada yada. In a year that many expected you to be last in the division, right? So I mean, I think they kind of saved themselves by being in a playoff seed. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how it's going on. And Ryan Pace has said, as far as the the uh, quarterback situation, everything is on the table for the QB position at this point. Well, I think Mitch as Trubisky. long as Watson's on is is on the trading block, that everything should be on the table. Yep, everything. Yeah, it, Watson is on the block, and that that brings us to until that's trade made. Any team that has a questionable quarterback should be making phone calls. Yep, Deshaun Watson has made it very clear he's unhappy with the Texans organization. Uh, not consulting him about the vacant GM and head coaching positions. He feels like the organization doesn't value him or his opinion, and uh, he's he's likely to request a trade. Um, the Texans have come out and said, hey, Deshaun Watson is our quarterback. Deshaun Watson wants out. Um, there's a lot of landing spots. There's a lot of places with a lot of cap space 
the, with that big that big cap hit that that he could go. And it's not even that big of a cap hit. His cap hit is very 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 reasonable. He's only set to make I think twenty five this upcoming year. Well, twenty one. After but after that it takes <clears throat> off. Yeah, but I I mean Deshaun Watson. I mean, if I'm if if I'm Chicago, if I'm Minnesota, if I'm Detroit, New if England. I'm Jacksonville, if I'm New England, I'm looking at Deshaun Watson and going, "That's my guy." Please don't go to New England. I hope Please he don't. doesn't. And they, the thing is, is New England has the money to spend; they really do. But I don't think Houston is going to sit there and go, "Yeah, let's trade him to an interconference guy." I think they're probably looking somewhere in the NFC to get him out of Dodge, and that would be the smartest thing for them to do. But it depends. Sometimes it depends if the if the interconference team. Offers you a huge deal, so something you can't refuse. Then it's a different story, right? So I, I mean, he wants he wants to get out of Dodge, um, and uh, and a part of it, I, I think the Texans are are trying to uh, um, are are trying to appease him because they they did request to interview Eric Bieniemy, um, which I think Watson, if I'm not mistaken, has been very vocal that he likes Eric Bieniemy a lot. Um, Bieniemy, they're they're going to have to wait. To interview Bienemy because they got to wait till the chief season is over, whenever that is. Um, they could very well win the Super Bowl, so you got to wait until that happens. But um, Bienemy is a hot commodity. He's not as hot of a commodity as I expected him to be going into this offseason as an offensive coordinator. A lot of you know, it's like I said last week. Yep, you've been saying it, and um, I'm, I'm not saying he's bad, but um, when you when you're when you're the uh, the OC for a great head coach. Mm-hmm. How much is it really you? Right, and so that becomes the question of the day. But the enemy has been uh, looked at, and um, a couple of times, and people are are considering him for a head coaching position. I think he would make a great fit in Houston. I really do. Judging by what we see in Kansas City, I think he'd make a great fit. And uh, speaking of uh, of head coaches being fired, Doug Peterson. Uh, he gets let go. It seemed like more of a mutual thing. It did seem that way. That was that was like the big news to the week. Doug Peterson, he gets let go. I, I think he, it, the exact quote was, Doug Peterson doesn't like people telling him what to do all the time. He's tired of that. Um, he leaves. That's a hot commodity. And he has a request to interview with the Cowboys, or the, the Eagles, rather, request an interview with the Cowboys offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. For Who they the just co- re-signed. Yep, for the head coaching position. They just re-signed him to a three-year deal. That could get interesting. Is Kellen Moore ready for the big time? You could see. You know what I could see? Because they did extend Kellen Moore for three years. I could see the Eagles almost trading for a head coach. I don't know that Kellen Moore is ready for the big time, but I could see the Eagles in that situation making an actual trade to try and get Kellen Moore to be their head coach. Wouldn't that be something? It'd be interesting. It, it really would. But I, I think, I think from an offensive perspective, Kellen Moore would be really great over there because I think he'd fit in well with with Hertz. But I think Kellen Moore coming in would benefit Carson Wentz coming back into the fold. Yeah, and and that could be another big big thing there. Um and also another huge 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 story and we 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 were talking about it last week, we finally get to see it. Jaguars are finalizing a deal with the former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer. Cuz there seemed to be a last minute 
run where Houston was trying to get him. Yep. But then that kind of fizzled out quick. Yep. Uh, to me, so I, I hear Urban Meyer, and and you may disagree with it. I think it's the facts. They're going to go after Justin Fields, number one overall. That's well, going to be the big what surprise. What we don't know is how Urban Meyer feels on Fields. We know, he, we know that he scouted him. I mean, he coached him for a year. Yeah, we, we know he scouted him. We know he coached him. But the, the thing about it is, so the head coach of Ohio State University is off of that Urban Meyer tree. They they have the same philosophies. Um, Fields, to me, I, I think is going to, Urban Meyer is going to go, I want a guy that's going to fit my system, and I think he's going to pick up Justin Fields and go with that. And it... I think because of how how bad he did in the championship game, I think they're they're going to stick with with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, and and for for Lawrence's sake, I hope they do. But I, man, wouldn't that be something if if he went out and said, "Hey, Justin Fields is my guy." That that could be that could get interesting. And you know, Urban Meyer, even though he's even though he's only been a college coach, you know, Urban Meyer is going to have a lot of pull in these situations. You know, because of his pedigree, because of who he is, he's going to have a lot of pull to make those moves and to to make those heavy decisions. And I believe that, that Justin Fields could very well be the guy. See, I'm not, I'm just not sure I buy Urban Meyer as an NFL coach, though. I def- definitely buy him as the GM. Right. 100%. But Urban Meyer's never had to coach a team that's bad. Yeah, and because because he gets the scouts, and you see you got a good team. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to see how he does. It happens to coach. What's going to be a bad team, Lawrence or Fields? It's going to be an upward upward climb, regardless. Right. Now, uh, one thing we were we were talking about Eric Bieniemy a minute ago. One thing I forgot to mention, and I wanted to bring it up just before I forget about it. Uh, so he did have a strong interview with the Falcons this past week. He does lead the pack for the head coaching job over there in Atlanta. So if the chief, if the Texans are going to make a move on Eric Bieniemy. They better do it soon because it's looking like Atlanta is is probably going to suck them up, which could be a big deal, especially with Atlanta having such a strong passing game already. Imagine a guy like Eric Bieniemy over there; it could get a little crazy. Um, another thing: the Raiders fire or hire rather the former defensive coordinator from the Chargers, Gus Bradley, as the new defensive coordinator. Um, I love this move. I don't know if he's even well, he's former now, but he was still actively the DC, wasn't he? I uh, well, yeah. Now he's former because but, he's gotten so hired. he willingly left. He willingly left, but which I, is huge because Gus Bradley's a great defensive brain. Yep the the Chargers defense has been good, very good, very good. I I the, especially the defensive backs. So they, they've had some really great defensive backs come out of there. Um, particularly, and, and they've been doing it without their um, juggernaut player who just can't seem to stay healthy. Yeah, Derwin James, and and I believe that that this could get and the Raiders' defense has been iffy. They've been okay. They've been very middle of the road, kind of top of the bottom type of thing. I believe that Gus Bradley's going to make them a top defense. I totally agree. I think I th- I think he makes them a top defense. They're going to have to, and and it's not like the Raiders don't have players on defense. It's not like they don't have good players. They, they just need the right, yeah, right guy to bring. They need together. the right guy, and they need a corner. They they do they really need a corner. It's the one they drafted. Uh, yeah, the uh, one, <laughs> yeah. Well, then the, I think their their top guy, their top corner was what uh, Garyon Conley, something like that. Yeah. So I mean it. 
to me, they, they need to get a shutdown corner. They need to go into the draft and make a move. They made some good moves on safeties. They made good moves on the defensive line. They've they've made some good moves. Now they really and they probably need to pick up a linebacker and a corner. And I think that that team could be something special, especially from a defensive perspective. Gus Bradley could turn that defense around. Yeah, Chargers were a top ten defense this year, and Raiders were a bottom ten. Yep. So I mean, there's there's issues there. Um, so there's that, uh, the Jets are flying the 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Saleh in for a second interview. I love this move. That 49ers defense has been solid. Yes, it has. And Robert Saleh is responsible for it. And I think that he is going to be wonderful for the Jets who have had a horrible defense for a long time. They had a good defense in the latter part of the season, probably the last five games, but, um, yeah, they, they need to do something to turn it around. I think Robert Saleh will, will bring a little bit more of that uh, attitude that you see in San Francisco over to New York. It's a, that'll be a positive thing uh, if they get him on board. Um, the Cowboys, they fired defensive coordinator Mike Nola. That needed to happen. Their defensive line coach, T- Jim Tom Sula, that needed to happen. But then they go and they hire the former Falcons head coach, Dan Quinn, to become the defensive coordinator. Now, Here's my problem. Not only have the Falcons had a crappy defense for years. For the entire Bob Quinn era. Yeah, for Dan, for Dan Quinn. Quinn. Dan Quinn. For the, well, I mean the, the Bob Quinn era too. But, uh, but uh, n- for years we heard all about how Dan Quinn is supposedly a quote-unquote defensive coach. And he's had the worst defenses I think I've ever laid eyes on. Ever. It's I, I I I think of a quote from uh, Happy Gilmore. Dan Quinn talking talk about being a defensive coach, and it's like uh, uh, Chubb's going to Happy saying, "You're a, you're a golfer, not a hockey player." Yeah, it's it's like, bad. You're an offensive mind, not defense. And uh, apparently, Cowboys disagreed. Yeah, I that I don't understand what the hell the Cowboys are looking at. Dan Quinn, okay, I get he was a former head coach, but I I don't buy it. I don't think this guy is going to be a good defensive coordinator. I think it's it's garbage. This is a bad signing. If the it's Cowboys one of the want, worst decisions that Jerry Jones has made in a long time. Yeah, I mean, if if he wanted to to sign somebody that that was a defensive mind, he should have signed somebody that's actually a defensive mind. You you got, you know, you could have called Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan's a good defensive mind. He's you a great defensive. Mind. Yeah, you know, you could you could have called somebody. Instead, you go and sign Dan Quinn. What a, a terrible idea! But it's the most cowboy things ever. I mean, the only way it gets worse is if, is if you would have hired the former Jets defensive coordinator. Right. Uh, and not by much. Yeah. <laughs> not by much at all. Um, the Broncos did hire the former Vikings assistant general manager, George Patton, as general manager. Um, I know a lot about George Patton. I like this move. I think it's real smart. I think they... they uh, the Vikings have always been very good at rebuilding through the draft. That's always been their philosophy throughout the years. They're not a big free agent mover. That's that's one thing, especially over the last the la- probably the last decade. The Vikings haven't been big free agent movers. Um, every now and then they make a big splash free agent signing, a la Kirk Cousins, a la Brett Favre. But ultimately, they're not big free agent guys. They're like rebuilding through the draft. George Patton is responsible for that, and that's what the Broncos need. They haven't had a series of really great drafts over the course of the last couple of years. Um, I thought. Getting Jerry Judy in the first round was probably the best move that that they've made outside of maybe Chubb, um, and then sent before that it wasn't Von. It was Von Miller was the last big thing. So 
I mean, they've probably had three good draft picks in what the last ten years. So they need that. George and, Patton, and is that's good to at that. say that they would have even taken Judy because let's, let's be honest. Um, other teams ahead of them screwed up and taking oh, yeah. receivers that you almost at that point Judy's the third receiver off the board, so you're going to look like a genius no matter what you did. Right. Exactly. So they they had to make that move. Um, and Judy's going to pan out. He he Once will. He gets a better quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> you really hate Drew Locke. but uh, Judy's going to pan out. But ultimately. Um, they need they need that general manager that is going to be focused in on the draft, and I think that's what you're going to get with George Patton. What? I, I almost said, yeah, I'd rather take Haskins. Oh, God. No. <laughs> no. Nobody wants Haskins, uh, other than maybe the Carolina Panthers, who are currently Boy. talking with Dwayne Haskins. He went and visited them uh, this past, or he's going to be visiting with them, rather. Uh, Dwayne Haskins... I, I, if they're expecting him to be the next Teddy Bridgewater, they're wrong. If you were a head coach and GM, and you had to, and you're starting a team from scratch, and, and your only choices were Dwayne Haskins and Josh Rosen, I'd be going with Josh Rosen. Really? I, I don't. I don't believe in Dwayne Haskins at all. I don't believe in either of them. And Dwayne Haskins has an attitude problem. I, that is I, true. I don't. I don't want to play with his attitude problem. If Josh Rosen wants to come and play ball, okay, we'll talk. But but and and frankly, I don't think Josh Rosen was a good fit in any of the places that he was going to be at. But to me, if it's me, I'm looking at Josh Rosen over Dwayne Haskins. And I, if I'm a general manager, I'm not considering either of those guys because they're both trash. <laughs> and I'm not considering Dwayne Haskins because at all because that is the moron that goes, "Hey, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic." But I'm going to go to the strip club without a mask on. Idiot. I know that the, the league's COVID protocols are very serious, but I'm going to go to the strip club and have strippers all over me with no mask on. But what are you, high? No one ever said he was smart. <clears throat> Anybody drug test the guy? That's what sounds like needs to happen. <laughs> Freaking idiot. So there's that. Speaking of the Redskins, Alex Smith says he's grateful to make a comeback, but time will tell what his future holds. He might hang it up. And it's kind of sounding like it. Um, I've loved his comeback, but I think he should. I think he's got one more year. One more year. I think he wants a full season. Will it be with Washington? I think it'll be with Washington. He's got. I mean, he still has years on his contract. He's got, I think, what, two years left on that, that contract with Washington. I think he comes back. Which would have been up had he not gotten hurt and stuff. They kind of extended it. But. Right. I, I think he comes back. I think he plays a full season in Washington. And I think that, that and does know, does he does he break the NFC East curse? Yeah, where they double down, which which because we be. haven't had, had the same team win the division back to back years in like fifteen years or something. Yeah, it's been a ridiculous amount. I I think I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna be this year with that with Dallas. I I really really did. And then Dak went down, and, and it was gonna. And I think it would have went that day way if Dak didn't get hurt. Well, and I the the thing about it is even with Dak being alive, the Cowboys were losing. But their offense was was playing. Yeah, their, their offense their offense was humming, but they were losing. I, I the, that was the crazy thing. They were putting up huge numbers and they were losing. I was like, how is that happening? Well, it's like they need it's like they need a, a defensive boost. So they brought in the defensive guy and Dan Quinn. <laughs> God, <laughs> yeah, they're totally gonna get it there. Um, so Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. He's on pace to return for week one of the 2021-2022 season, which is very good for the Bengals. I like Joe Burrow. I really like him a lot. I think he's going to be something really special. In those Dak games, though, in in, in their defense, mm-hmm. 
So he went two and three before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, in his defense, the three losses were all teams that made the playoffs. That is fair. Rams, Browns, and Seattle. So I, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, the the big question there comes in, okay, let's say they make the playoffs, right? They're just going to get hoed out in the first round. Yeah. Well, Jud- judging by what I'm, uh, what you're saying. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I mean, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Um, so the Seahawks, now, now we got the, the playoff team news. Um, first and foremost, the Seahawks, they're going to, they're going to part ways with their offensive coordinator, Brian Schottenheimer, head coach Pete Carroll says the Seahawks, and I was just talking about this. They quote unquote need to run the ball more in 2021. The run game did look weak, especially this past week. Um, I understand the Rams got the number one defense in the league, but crimity. Um, we didn't hear a lot from, from Chris Carson this Mm -hmm. year. Uh, well, and he and he spent a lot of it hurt. Um, yep. A lot of it stemmed from that. I can't remember what team it was, but that dude who um like purposely twisted his ankle. Yeah, but the problem is, so notoriously, when the Seahawks have had a strong run game, when say Marshawn Lynch would go down, they always had a guy that was sitting in the wings that could turn it up, and they. I mean, you always you'd always hear about it. Oh, Marshawn Lynch is hurt for three games. So so and so is going to come in and, and he does and they do do yeah, well and they tear it up and so everybody's picking up so and so for the last couple of weeks because they don't know what this this guy's going to do. So now we're sitting here and I'm going okay well where's so and so that's going to come into this situation and make it better and there wasn't so yeah because uh, after Chris Carson Russell Wilson's the next leading rusher right um. Carlos Hyde had 81 attempts on 300 yards, so not, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give Chris Carson that benefit of the doubt. I mean, his average was was 4.8, but he, he's he, so he he lost, he missed games, he played games while hurt. But you have that a backup running back in Carlos Hyde, who's better than that. But yeah, you you have, so so obviously something's awry. Rashad Penny wasn't great. No, he getting cut. Yeah. Penny. Yeah, I think he got cut. But the the point is, and I, I remember when they drafted him, and I said that was a bad pick. But that's the point, is you have Carlos Hyde as your backup. Carlos Hyde should be a guy that, that puts up big numbers, and he's not doing that. They're not being successful with a guy like that as the backup running back. Oh, he got hurt, actually. He's on the team. Oh, Penny? Yeah. I knew he was hurt. I didn't know if they cut him while he was hurt. But the point is... So and so didn't come in and play. Carlos Hyde didn't come in and put up those numbers that you normally see out of a Seahawks team. Right. That's and that's not okay. So I, I understand the cut, um, even though the offense was successful. But they conformed the and, and made it work by ha- with with Lockett and Metcalf with Russell made it happen. Right. But they need to to run the ball more and they need to run the ball more successfully because that was the bread and butter for years of that Seattle team. Now they've got two really great receivers. Now they need to figure out how to more successfully run the football like they used to. To take pressure off of them because then you get dangerous. Yeah, and and that's where Seattle could become dangerous moving into next season, I think. Um <clears throat> Rams head coach Sean McVay has no update on whether or not Wolford or Goff will start on Saturday versus the Packers. Um, and their offensive tackle, Andrew Whitworth, intends to return for the 2021-2022 season. Which continues to say that golf's not 100%. He's really not ready. Yeah, I don't play if he has to. I don't know if he's ready. I, and, you know, Wolford having a stinger, that's nothing to sneeze at. You know, that's not like, hey, I need a week off and I'll be fine. No, you know, it's, it's not. That That's a couple-of-week thing, especially when you take a shot to the head like that. Um, you know, 
you you may see Wolford. I don't know how he's gonna gonna function in that situation. Um, you may see Goff with the the surgically repaired hand there. I that's a good question. One guy you will see though, uh, Aaron Donald. Uh, he injured his ribs during the wild card matchup versus the Seahawks, but he says he feels quote unquote no pain and will be ready for the matchup against the Packers. Um, they need him. Aaron Donald strikes me as kind of guy that can get stabbed and goes, huh? Huh? What? <laughs> just, I'm all right. He's just born in the wrong era. Hey, <laughs> like, Aaron Donald caveman. may very well be the greatest defensive player of all time when everything's all set and done. I, and that may very well be. You know, he and, he might be the uh, the most significant pass rusher. Of he's all already time. a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, and and he's only 29. I mean that the guy's a monster. Yeah. I, I, if I had the time to do it and actually watch tape, I, I, but I, I'd be willing to bet money. I've probably, I've probably said this in the past. I, I would say half the team sacks could be credited <clears throat> to Aaron Donald personally. Yep. And just watching watching that playoff game against Seattle and watching how they handled Russell Wilson, how they contained him, how the, the pressure they put on him. They, they Russell had no time to throw the football. They have a chance this week if they can do that same pressure again because Aaron Rodgers is less likely, it, it can moves around a lot less um Finessely than than Wilson than Wilson yeah and Rodgers can move a little bit but not like not like Russell not like Russ and and you know that's that's going to be an interesting situation if they keep bringing that pressure if Aaron Donald can and Aaron Donald's got his work cut out for him because you've got a very good offensive line there with the Packers Aaron Rodgers doesn't get sacked a lot over there um, not anymore not anymore so that could get pretty ugly um, for for Aaron Donald if Aaron Donald can can handle that great offensive line of the Packers and Michael Brock oh not Michael Brockers. Um who was the other guy on that line? We were just talking about him, the other one that was kind of being disrupted. Oh yeah, I know. We were just talking about him. But uh Fox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Michael Fox. Um <clears throat> if Fox can get in there, I I think that this team is going to be successful. I uh, they they've and he's actually one of the most underrated players on that Rams team, Fox. Oh my God, the fact that nobody picked him up and just let him—he was sitting on free agency. I don't understand how you, Leonard Floyd himself a game too. Yep, I don't understand how you can not pick a guy like that up off free agency. But maybe that's just me, especially if you need a pass rush. Um, Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson—he's—he's uh, he's headed to free agency this year. He says everything's on the table. That seems to be a common theme with the Bears. Everything's on the table. Um, I think Robinson has shown that he still is able to play very at a very high level. He's what thirty two at this point. Is he that old now? I think he's in his thirties. Um, I, I think he could be more successful with a better quarterback. Yeah, I don't. He, well, he hasn't had consistent quarterback play since he's been in Chicago. Mitch, they've they've done all the trick plays, and it's been a run. He's twenty seven. He's 27. still got. He's got a lot he's of got time. Years left. He's actually hitting his prime right now. I mean, between that twenty seven to thirty two seat years, and, you know, you're talking. And prime. he's not going to get that like that <clears throat> significant dollar amount because because of how his time in Bears was. But like a team, Every, like Ravens talking about bringing in a veteran guy on on the cheap. Like, he could be a guy you bring. Everybody knows that Allen Robinson is a number one receiver. We saw him be successful over there in Jacksonville. You see him, and he, let's face facts, he was successful with the Bears. Um, yeah. oh, the, yeah. His time with the Bears, he was successful when they had good quarterback play. When he was, I think he had time with Jay Cutler, did he not? No, no, no. Who, who was he with? There was, it was, you had uh, uh, um, Trubisky. Who was before Trubisky? That's going to drive me crazy. Uh, it's the 2018 year. Um, I'll have it for you. Go ahead and okay. move on. But Allen Robinson, he, I think he's a successful number one. I think he's going to turn out 
really well. Um, I think he's going to get a big money amount. And I think there's a team that, you know, maybe the Eagles. The Eagles have. Yeah, he's never not had Trubisky. Yeah, oh, he's always been Trubisky, and he's still been successful. So look at look at that. Who was Trubisky splitting with? Foles? Before Foles. Was it Chase I'm, Daniel? So he's never really had a significant no. quarterback. So Yep, and then over in Jacksonville, he had, you know. Was that freaking uh, Blake Bortles? It might have been Blake Bortles. <laughs> so, I mean, he hasn't had a good time. Straight up not having a good time. No. But imagine him going to, say, the Eagles. We saw Elshon Jeffrey have a lot of success with the Eagles. Imagine him going to Baltimore. You could see a lot of success going on there. There are teams that need a number one receiver. Um, and, and a guy that's about to hit free agency, I just want to point out, you know, that teams that need a number one receiver, Kenny Galladay, about to hit. I think he he ends up staying. A lot of people say he's going to resign, but the the Lions sure are taking their time getting that guy a contract. I would have had him resign by week six. Yeah, there are certain guys you don't want to keep him happy, right? And he's unhappy at the moment. Um, the speaking of guy that is happy, Seahawks extend general manager John Schneider through the 2027 draft. We don't have numbers, but because of uh, because of um him fielding offers from Detroit. They just gave that man a raise. Yeah, they they just threw a big money at him and said, "Hey, you're doing a great job. Stick around," um, and that's a good signing. That's want some strippers? We'll send them too. Yeah, John, John, stay here. John Schneider, uh, always been good with the Seahawks. He's drafted well for him, them. He's picked up good free agents. He's made some good moves. They've been consistently a playoff team. Great signing. Great general manager. I love this for them. I, I if I'm if I'm the Seahawks, I'm feeling it's the right move. Yep, I'm feeling wonderful about myself. Um, ben Roethlisberger, nobody knows whether or not he's going to be back, but Tomlinson uh, says it's reasonable to assume. Tomlin, Tomlin. I don't know why. I, oh, I I put Tomlinson. <laughs> um, Tomlin says it's a uh, reasonable to it's reasonable to assume there's a chance he'll be back. Um, See, I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think Ben coming back has a lot to do with if Tomlin can get the team to. Stop with the bullshit. I think a lot of it also comes down to the fact that they lost and the way they lost. And it was Ben's fault, and he knows it was his fault. I, he, he's the one that threw the four picks, you know, and, and he knows that he turned the ball over. He handed, realistically, if you look at the situation, Ben Roethlisberger handed the Cleveland Browns 35 points in that game. Well, the first one's not... Not entirely on him. No, zero on him. Either. Right. But the the point is is that there were five turnovers in that game, all of which resulted in points. Four of them were picks yeah. that resulted in 28 of it. So I think Ben this, this loss was mostly on Ben Roethlisberger at this point. He was overthrowing guys. Most of those passes that were overthrown went for picks. They, they wanted, we had two that were Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster were going up to get the ball that was overthrown over their like head. like we said, Ben can't accurately throw over 20 yards anymore. Right, and and I think... And that's okay, because the surgery you got is was it's, massive. It's Tommy especially John. Especially for your age. It's Tommy John surgery. This is like what MLB pitchers, you know, deal with. You, you get, It's something that retires people. Yeah, so, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger needs to understand that... that you're not 20. Yeah, you're not that that young guy anymore, and, and he had tears streaming down his face. I think there's a chance he could come back because of the fact that he feels responsible for this loss. But I also feel like it may have just kind of killed him inside, too. I mean, he might just not have it. You, if he retires, I think Cleveland kind of rejoices as, ha-ha, we retired Big Ben, and, and they're going to be laughing it, at him. It, 
and I'll laugh too, but it'll, it'll, it'll be a silly statement because that's not acting. Ben hasn't been talking about retirement for five years now. Right, but but I, you know that's what Cleveland yeah. fans are going to be doing. Ah, yeah, we, we put his ass on the shelf. <laughs> but, I mean, at the end of the day, Ben Roethlisberger, um, there's a chance he could come back. It's up in the air. If he retires, see you later. If he doesn't, um, you know, I think the Steelers uh, have a good chance of returning to the playoffs next year. Depending on their schedule, they had a very soft schedule this year. Let's face that. Let's let's understand that. I don't think they make the playoffs without the schedule they had. Um, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with the secondary and their defense not playing as well as they should have. In the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, so you have that. Um, speaking of the Browns, their corners, and I didn't realize two players that weren't in this game, Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson, both of their starting corners were out on the injured reserve COVID-19 list. But they'll be active for this matchup against the Chiefs. Um, that's a big coup for the Browns. Big coup going into a matchup with one of the highest octane offenses in the entire league to have Denzel Ward back on the field in particular. And you could be catching Chiefs right because I don't, I don't want, I'm not going to say that Chiefs have been bad. No, but they haven't been the Chiefs. They have not. And but and here's a red hot Cleveland offense, and now they're getting their star defensive player back or one of their star defensive players. This guy, Denzel Ward, I love Denzel Ward. As a corner, he is a shutdown guy. He came into this league, everybody said, eh, he'll be okay. Man, that guy's been great. Since day one, yep. he's been great. Um, I like Denzel Ward. He was one of those those big hits that the Browns got in, in those draft classes where they had five, six, seven picks, you know, just hanging around. How's Greedy been? Greedy's been okay, but he hasn't been Denzel Ward. I love Denzel Ward. I, I like I said. I I think this is going to be a huge coup, and you're going to have in the fun matchup that you're going to see this weekend. That puts Denzel Ward against Tyreek Hill, and that is going to be fun, fun, fun to watch. Well, you're still going to need safety help because no matter how good you are, though, Hill's got burning speed. Though, so right, you you can't man to man him. Right, but if you got Ward on him, I feel pretty confident in it. I feel good about it. So you're going to have Denzel Ward in that situation. Um, last, uh, last, uh, uh, playoff team news, the Colts left tackle, Anthony Costanzo retires after 10 seasons. I like Costanzo. I always have, uh, he's 33, I think now, um, great player, just an outstanding player. Um, big loss for the Colts losing their blindside guy. Be hard to replace. It, yeah. Especially if they're going to bring back Phillip Rivers, um, they're going to need Jacob Eason. To, and and that's why I think they're going to roll with Jacob Eason because they're they're just they're going younger. That's a big contract off their books, um, and and realistically, I I don't think the old man Rivers is going to want to have that blindside not properly protected. That's going to get ugly for uh, for those guys, especially you've had Costanzo and you've had Quentin Nelson over there on that offensive line on that particular side, so you got to protect since, that blindside. Since before Luck got drafted, you've had him there, right? So, so that's a big loss. You lost one piece of the puzzle. You got Quentin Nelson, and Quentin Nelson is also in a contract year. So that's going to be an issue there on that, that offensive line. Those guys had offensive line troubles for a while. They fixed them. Now we're going to have that trouble again. they got to replace that left tackle position. Um, maybe uh, they can go ahead and take Riley Reef off our hands in Minnesota. Huh? Huh? Um, Speaking and- I, I saw this stat, um, and I, I'm, I'm never one to say that Something happens on purpose. Mm-hmm. So um, Riley Reef had a uh, incentive bonus in, in his contract that if you played ninety three percent of the snaps, you get an extra million dollars. Yep. Do you know how what percentage he played? Like ninety two. Ninety two point something. Oh yeah. 
Like I'm never going to say something was on purpose, but no, oh, they did that on purpose. <laughs> and and it's you like, know, hey, oh, don't do the math. Nope. Come on, can I go? Yep, yep. And you know, <laughs> you know, the big thing about Riley Reef, uh, uh, speaking of which, he had a very, very good season. Riley Reef, the last two years, has been very, very good. I didn't realize how good he was. The problem I have with Riley Reef is the number, the contract. He's he's a he's a good lineman. He's just asking for too much. Right. Well, I mean, his you dump him and you save eleven point seven. It's a big see you later. At yeah. That point. Especially when you went out and you went into the draft and drafted Ezra Cleveland. Who is a starting? Who is an offensive tackle in college? That was his his uh, uh, his primary spot, and you've been playing this tackle Ezra Cleveland, who doesn't have the size to play guard at offensive tackle. So, or, or I'm sorry, you've been playing you've been playing this offensive tackle at guard. You should be getting rid of Reef, kicking Ezra Cleveland over to to tackle, signing a big name guard, especially in a season where the cap's going down. Right. Kick Ezra Cleveland over to tackle, sign a guard, a big name guard, and start making some cuts on some of these guys that you don't need. And as much as I love Kyle Rudolph, that's a big see you later to him. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, that's eleven million off the books. See you later, Kirk. Trade him. See you later. You know, I, there there are cuts to be made on that football team. But I digress. We're getting a, we're falling down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But we'll talk about that off season to come. We'll talk about that another time. Um, just a little update. We talked about Josh Jacobs last week and his DUI. Um, it's not actually a DUI. He wasn't charged with a DUI. They've actually charged him with a misdemeanor. It's failure to exercise due care, um, is what they actually charged him with. He was in a single car accident is what it came down to. It's not like he was just plowing through a parking garage, just blasting cars or anything like that. He was in the parking facility. Uh, I think he, they, he came out of there and he ran his car into a ditch or something like that. Um, but yeah, he, he got exercised, failure to exercise due care is what he's been actually charged with. I wanted to update on that because people were reporting it as a DUI and it's been reported for the last week as a DUI until like two days ago when people were like, Hey, he he didn't get charged with that. (laughs) So I wanted to update that just so, uh, we're here and I want to talk a little bit, just one second about the, the draft here. Um, we've got a guy that has already declared for the draft. Alabama, we know, won the national title handily mm-hmm. against OSU. Um, Alabama, the Crimson Tide, the wide receiver, Devontae Smith. I mean, his draft stock is supposed to be on the rise after a big national championship game. And big year. And in a big year. He had a monster year. Devontae Smith, does he go before Jamar Chase, Tyler? Yes, because Jamar Chase didn't play. I think that Jam- always has a major, major ramification missing a year. Right. And, and and no, it wasn't injury. Injury has a lot worse of a ramification, but a year off um, typically drops your stock pretty significantly. Right. I think Jamar Chase gets drafted in the first round still. I think he goes mid-first round. Instead of being top 10, it'll be more like top 20. Yeah, and people are going to be talking about Devontae Smith. Uh, the, the problem I have with the, the Devontae Smith thing, and and I, I, I kind of, they only played SEC teams this year. Only, they. It's not like they were around the the um, around the country here, playing all these different teams from all these different places, and been taking on some Big Ten teams that have those good defenses and whatever else. The and it's just kind of the similar thing that I say about the the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they had a very very. I mean, outside of the playoffs, they had a very very soft schedule, and I. But the record of the teams they played though is better than they normally face. In the SEC, because they normally play teams that are like all these um these um middle of nowhere schools too, 
every team has a couple of those, but I mean, I they. Like, I think the win percentage of the teams they played this year is actually higher than in past years. Kentucky and eh, I don't buy it, and I don't think they they beat LSU, who is bad, and and that was their toughest game, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't they play season. Notre Dame? They played Notre Dame in the playoff. Well, actually, I take that back. They, I think they played Notre Dame two weeks in a row, didn't they? That was Clemson. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. But in any case, Devontae Smith. I like Devontae Smith. Do I think he's better than Jamar Chase? No. No, they, no, they did play Notre Dame in the playoff. Yeah, they played him in the playoff. But Clemson played Notre Dame on two weeks in a row, but it wasn't... What am I thinking? No, Clemson played Notre Dame twice, once in the beginning of the season, once for the ACC championship. Right. So, I, I think Devontae Smith goes before De- Jamar Chase, but I, I I still think Jamar Chase is the better receiver. Oh, no, I, I agree. And, but... and I think Jamar Chase is going to wind up getting drafted before him. But Devontae Smith had a hell of a year. It was 1,800-plus yards and 23 touchdowns. I mean, that's that's a big season for by any stretch. Um, so, that's your news around the league. Then, Tyler, we're going to take a... Very short, quick break, and then we're going to jump into the NFL playoffs. We're going to start talking about these teams. We're going to talk about um, uh, these games we got coming up and what we expect to see, what we plan to see. Um, I'm excited. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of excitement, especially because your team's in the playoffs. Yeah, we know. Still cruising. Mm-hmm, okay. But uh, what we're going to see, uh, we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Are you ready? Get ready, no. Get ready. And welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I'm your host, Saturday. Oh. And I'm here with that guy. Hey, I'm the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, and uh, we are on the home stretch of our show here. We have breaking news. Breaking news, Tyler. I'm so excited. Breaking news. What's the breaking news? Got a couple things. Oh God. Over over the time we were recording the first half. Mm-hmm. Wolford is out. Ooh. Golf will start. Oh boy. And Arthur Smith is is honing, the offensive corner for the Titans is. Is honing in on being the Falcons' next head coach. Oh, not official, but it's looking likely. Well, I I don't I don't have anything against. Uh, uh, it's going to be a significant change if he's going to be the Falcons' head coach because the Titans have been notoriously heavy on the run, mm-hmm. whereas the Falcons have been notoriously heavy on the pass. They're going to have to 
get a big power running back. They're going to have to get a Derrick Henry style guy to make that successful. Or maybe the running back's already <clears throat> on the team. Could be, but I what, I still e- like Edo Smith. I like Edo Smith, but I don't know that Edo Smith is the guy. I don't know that he's a he's not a Derrick Henry. No, no. I, I and that's why I I think that if they go out and they draft, uh, they got to draft a running back. They could draft a in a, a, a Chen. I, I like Travis and Chen. I think he's, if you can't grab one in the draft, um, pick up pending uh, likely going to be on on market. Uh, Mark Ingram for uh, yep. brief. That. Nice power runner, and you can probably get him on a discount too. Yeah. Coming off an injury, he's not. He, well, he hasn't been hurt. He's just been healthy scratch. Yeah, and he hasn't been very good for Baltimore, but he could. Oh, be. he has. Mm. Just he's getting he's getting phased out. Yeah, I don't really buy him. To be honest with you, could you imagine if they went after Gus the Bus though? I think Ravens would try to retain him. Yeah, I think they will. But Ingram's a thousand yard rusher last year. Yeah, he got phased out just because they're trying to go the the young back route. I think he got phased out because he sucks. That's not true either, though. <laughs> I think Ingram still got plenty of tread of the tires. Okay, well, I think he got phased out because the Ravens suck. I'm just trying I'm to sorry, talk shit. The playoffs? I'm just trying to talk <laughs> shit at this point. That's all I'm trying to do. Um, but uh, coming into the playoffs, Tyler, we've got a uh, four really awesome matchups. This is going to be a really good playoff weekend. Um, I'm excited. The, I, I like good football. I like watching the good competitive games of the playoffs. Obviously, I'm not as emotionally invested because my boys, the Vikings, are not in the playoffs this year. But you know, just when we, you know, when the, even when they get eliminated and they're not involved in the playoff picture, it's fun to sit down and watch the the fucking playoffs just go off. You know, just the whole weekend of football. Last weekend was great. We had six big time games, six playoff games. And then this week, you got four, and you got two on Saturday, two on Sunday. And I, I got to tell you, I'm looking at these games, I'm going, man, all these games are just marquee, fun matchups that you're going to want to see. Every yeah, one it's of not, them. It's not super divisional round. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, there's not as many games. I don't know. This might be super divisional round because I... And you got one game that's... That has the potential of just being a, a bad blowout, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I well, you, I, I think you got two games that have the potential to be a blowout, but like you said, we'll see. We'll see how they they work well, out. Really, I guess three <clears throat> games. Well, um, to me, there's one um, obvious game of the week, and three that could go. They could go off the rails, and they could go really well. Um, First off, let, let's start with, with number one seed, Kansas City Chiefs. They're taking on the number six seed, Cleveland Browns. Cleveland coming off the big win over, over the Steelers that nobody expected. Um, I think, it, so, I'm, I'm going to make a, a, a bold pick here. I'm going Cleveland in this one. You think they're still going to ride hot? I think they're riding hot. I think Cleveland is going to come out, uh, Kansas City is going to come out firing, but with that week off, Cleveland coming, I mean, Cleveland is kind of pissed. I think they're 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 very much in that that Philadelphia underdog type role right now. I'm taking a big risk. I know I am. That's going to be and, and just kind of like you did with with Washington last week. Which I still um, stand by. I would have gotten right if Alex Smith played. If Alex Smith played, but uh, we'll the, never know. Yeah, we we won't. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna. This is going to be my one big risk. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns, and I think they're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs uh, moving forward. And the, so we're on. <laughs> I hope that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that happens. Yeah. But I think Kansas City Chiefs are going to come out red hot and, and get the job done. I think it happens for, uh, I hope it happens for a different reason than you do. Um, you want Browns Bills. <clears throat> I want Browns Bills. But um, 
I, I, I think, think the world kind of wants Browns Bills. I yeah, uh, and and I like the Cleveland Browns and what they're doing right now. Um, both the both of these teams, the Browns and Bills, like like we always talk. I've I've talked to you before, and we both we both talked about our top five favorite teams. Both these teams fall in my top five, so I, I get I get excited for that. Um, but I, I'm hoping that the Cleveland Browns beat the beat the Chiefs here. I think Baker Mayfield in this offense is really really hot. I think the defense is going to see a lot of improvement with Denzel Ward on the field. I think he's kind of going to be the X factor there as far as their defense goes. The Chiefs did not look like the Chiefs, like you said at the end of the year. They did not look like the Chiefs. They could look like the Chiefs with a year or with a with a week off now. You know, kind of and two for Mahomes. Yep. So they, they've had a couple of weeks off to, to rest and relax and get everything together. The last seven teams who sat their quarterback in Week 17 mm-hmm. did not win the Super Bowl. Right. And and I'm I'm having this strange feeling that the Cleveland Browns are going to be riding this red-hot streak into the AFC title game. Now, whether or not they win that AFC title game, uh, that's up for debate. If they win this week, mm-hmm. I'm going to boldly tell you that they lose by 20 points no matter who they face next week. Yeah. Because as I was saying before, Cleveland to me is not consistent enough to go all the way. And they have two big games and, and blast the Steelers, blast the Chiefs, they'd be due for that game and they look like dog shit. Right. Um, Cleveland right now is just looking... but in, in, So go Browns! Yep. Sometimes teams get hot at the, the right time and I think Cleveland is hot at the right time. I think the Chiefs were, were coming down off that mountain at the wrong time. This is going to get really, really hairy. I think it's a tight one, but I think Cleveland comes out on top with a, with a W here. And they go to that AFC title game, which leaves the Cleveland fans just loving life. Um, Mayfield, Chubb, Hunt, Landry, all those guys have been playing great ball. And to be fair, Cleveland's been more consistent with just Jarvis Landry on the field. I would agree. And, and without OBJ, they've been a more consistent team. Uh, they've been getting more W's. I, I, you gotta love what they're doing over there. Um, the defense, the, the secondary in particular, played well against the Steelers. I, I understand Ben had you know 500 yards in the game. I get that, but look at the time of possession as well. Cleveland was scoring at will, at will. I mean, it wasn't even like they only had 27 minutes of time of possession, whereas the Steelers had almost 33 minutes of time of possession. It, it makes a huge difference. And to, to see that, that the Steelers couldn't win that football game with the higher time of possession shows you what Cleveland's offense is doing and what they're doing right and that they're red hot. And the defense, that secondary, they're making, even though they're, 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 they didn't shut down the Steelers, this is still Ben Roethlisberger. This is still a very hot Steelers offense. This is still a Steelers offense with Deontay Harris and, or Deontay Johnson, rather and Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster. They have a lot of weapons. But they there. are going into a much better offense than the Chiefs. Yep, and, and now they're going to have to deal with Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill. and But the one thing that the Chiefs haven't had for the last several weeks, and, and it's something that is going to, to be an issue, they have not had a run game. That's absolutely true. They have not had a run game. I have not seen Clyde Edwards-Hilaire show up the way that he notoriously does, or he notoriously did in the first two to three weeks. He shut down. You haven't heard anything from him. Uh, Bell's been trash. Yep, Bell has been garbage. This team has not had a run game. They're very one-dimensional. It's all passing all the time. 
I think the Cleveland Browns have a really great shot at beating the Kansas City Chiefs and moving on to the AFC title game. It'd be awesome if it happened. I would be excited. Uh, next up, you got your boys, the Baltimore Ravens. They're taking on the Buffalo Bills. I know that you're going to be a homer here and you're going to take your boys, but I'm going with the Bills. It, it's almost a superstitious thing at this point. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to pick against them. And, and what I'm, I'm calling game of the week. This is the game of the week. Um, I, I think this is the one game that should be... Um, if, if you if you had to bet what game has a le- least likely chance of being completely one-sided, to me it's this one. Yeah. And it, it's going to be a, a battle of 2018 quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I am going Ravens. Cause I feel like I kind of have to here. I, I, I'm going to back them up. But but it's not it's not I'm picking them because it's unrealistic for them to win. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm being a homer at the same time. It's a winnable game for them. It's a game it, could go either way. You're talking the two hottest teams in the playoffs right now. Yeah. Um, Baltimore on a six-game win streak and Bills on, on a seven. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Buffalo Bills, and the only reason I'm calling for the Bills here, um, the Bills are coming off of a game where they beat one of the best defenses in the league, and they already did it. They, they went out and they topped at one of the best defenses in the league. They're going to have to do it again. This is very defensive-minded football that they're having to take on, and they've been successful this year. And they beat, if I'm not mistaken, they beat the Ravens earlier this year. Did they they not? didn't play this year. Oh, they didn't play. Maybe it was last year. But but they, they, I think they... They played last year. That was a seven-point game. Right. Uh, I think they have a, a good shot at beating the Ravens. They can beat the Ravens in a tight one. The Buffalo Bills have been the hottest team going into the playoffs. Let's remember that they they were coming out hot. They played and, and they played. They started the game bad against the Colts. Colts went up ten nothing. It was looking like the Bills were going to get beat, and the Bills came back and started firing on all cylinders and and really did well. Josh Allen brought them out of the doldrums there. The Ravens are going to have their work cut out just like the Bills are. The, it's the Ravens have a good secondary, very good secondary, but the Bills also have a great wide receiving core. So you're going to have that Cole Beasley, that John Brown, that Stephon Diggs against those tough corners of the Ravens. It's going to be a fun matchup to watch. And then on the other side, Lamar is going to have to try and find a way. And, and the Bills have been notoriously good at contain, at containing guys. And Lamar is going to have to find a way to properly deliver the football um, to his wide receivers with a very, very tough Bills secondary with Poyer and and Tredavious White and all those guys over there that are doing a great job in that secondary. This is going to be a tough one. And Hollywood has come around. <clears throat> he has. And and him sticking around is going to be part of that win because whenever Lamar's in a situation where he has to force it to Mark Andrews, that's when things go sour. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and a lot of those, and that's where when Mark Andrews comes into play, um, I think Andrews is in a situation where he's actually going to have to, he's going to have a fight with, Poyer, he's going to have a fight with Hyde, he's going to have a fight with those linebackers, those coverage linebackers that the Buffalo Bills had. This is going to be a tough, tight, back and forth matchup. That's why I'm going Bills. I think they, this will be another squeak it out type of situation. And when the Bills get into that AFC title game, even if the Browns are hot or if the Chiefs are hot, I think the Buffalo Bills and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, and it really depends on, on how the Chiefs, as it stands right now, though, if the Bills go to the AFC title game, I'm going to say that the Bills are probably going to blow out whoever they've got in that AFC title game. Um, so, where I'm at is I'm going to throw an early, bold prediction out. Mm-hmm. 
Let me think here. Um, Green Bay. <clears throat> the winner of this game wins the Super Bowl. That's uh, kind of where I'm at. I think I... No matter... Ravens or Bills, <clears throat> whoever wins this game wins the bowl. Probably. And and that's that's kind of how it looks. I, I think and that's that... me playing off the fact that Chiefs, while they're a great team, haven't been hot. Yeah. If they get hot, no, um, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna smother Ravens or Bills. Right. But they gotta get back to that hot level. Yep. Uh, next up, you got the Packers and the Rams. This one has the ability to go sour based solely on the fact that the Rams don't have a good quarterback. I mean, well, they a they, healthy one, a healthy quarterback. I, I, I won't say good quarterback because Goff is very good, but he's not healthy. He's coming off that thumb surgery. He had to play last week when he didn't expect to. John Wolford, he's not going to be in. Um, this, and, and their backup quarterback, who's now probably going to be activated, is Blake Bortles, who will, who will be backing up Jared Goff more than likely. You got the Green Bay Packers, who are the best team in the the NFC right now, thirteen and three. Um, I'm going with the Packers. Um, I think the Rams' defense has been very good, but it's just not going to be enough. And the thing, I'm going Packers too, but the thing is, they're going to need the defense. Right. It, it doesn't matter how good the offense could be perfect. The defense is going to have to do their thing if the Rams are going to stand a chance. Right. I the 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 Rams have to bring that pass rush that we that we saw last week against Seattle. They especially with the hurt golf. Yeah. You you you're not going to stay in this game if you let the Packers put up 35 points. Right. And it's it's all dependent on that pass rush. And I know I, it, it it comes down to Aaron Donald and I was calling him Michael Fox earlier. It's Morgan Fox. Morgan Fox. Um. It depends on those two, really, and Fowler as well. They they're going to have to really step up and and show what they can do. I think the Rams played extremely well against Seattle. They did a great job, but now they're going to, and Cam Akers is going to have to show up against a very, very tough Packers uh, uh, defense. That They're very good against the run, the Packers are. Cam Akers showed a lot of effort and a lot of heart last week. There were a lot of situations where he was locked down and his legs kept churning and he was pushing guys back. He was making something out of nothing on every play. He's going to have to bring that same level of effort going into this game against the Green Bay Packers. Um, otherwise, this one's going to get ugly. Um, I think right now, it's probably going to get ugly. I'm going with the Packers. That's I'm right where I'm at, too. Yep. And last but not least, NFC uh, Divisional Round, you got, and this is uh, a one that is is kind of a game of the week type of situation as well. Um, or it could get ugly. They could get ugly. Packers, or I'm sorry, Buccaneers and the Saints. Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. Um, Bucks and Saints... Uh, so Breeze is coming off of a, a rib injury where he broke all of his ribs and it was just ugly. Uh, Tom Brady has been very hot and then he's been very bad. Um, the, but he's, he's right now he's currently hot. Right now he's hot and and he had a very good game against against a very tough Chicago Bears defense. It's going to require Tom Brady to get it done with his arm. Um, the the. Saints defense doesn't have that same wonderful secondary that we've been hearing about after all these years. We, you know, the the for for years we heard about the, the Saints defense and their secondary is fantastic, and and now it's all about their pass rush and and their run stopping. Um, I think they've got a really good situation there where they're going to have to bring pressure on Tom Brady. Um, it, it's all on Tom Brady's arm, and on likewise, it requires Chris Godwin to freaking be healthy for once this entire season. It requires Mike Evans to be healthy for once this entire season. And and it, the the X factor there is Antonio Brown. 
And you know who's actually been really great lately for Tampa Bay has been Cameron Brait. Brait's been good. Well, Evans has been healthy this year. Um, Godwin definitely hasn't. But Godwin hasn't, but Evans is not 100% going into this game. Well, and his isn't really a... Isn't because he's injury prone. He, he, yeah, he that was a pretty nasty little mm. singer he took. But he played last week. He played well. <clears throat> I think it's going to be all on Tom Brady to get this thing done. And Leonard Fournette is not. I don't care how much of a power runner he is. He's been so hit or miss this year. He's not Ronald Jones. Yeah, he's not that guy. I I, I believe In their last game they got shellacked by the Saints, thirty-eight to three. Right. I think that. The Saints run away with this one. I think you're going to see the number one and number two in the NFC going at it. Um, I'm going with the Saints here. Uh, I, I just I don't trust Tom Brady. The 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 good news is is no matter what outcome you get here in this situation, if you get Breeze or Brady, and say the Packers win, you're either going to get Breeze versus Rodgers or you're going to get Brady versus Rodgers, which is just a fun time. Which also fun <coughs> fact. All four NFC or all four AFC quarterbacks are younger than all four NFC quarterbacks left in the playoffs. Right, Mahomes is a is a hair younger than golf. Yep, I, I think that this could be a, a fun. It could turn into a fun NFC Championship game uh, moving into next Sunday. But um, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go with the Saints. Same here. Yeah, and I think because that that, that that they look at the quarterbacks, look at how young the sides are. This is exactly why the AFC is better right now. Right? You got younger quarterbacks that are a lot more dynamic. It's an aging group over on the NFC side. With the exception of golf, who's young himself, but right. Rodgers, Breeze, Brady are on the back end. Rodgers is a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. He's got more years left than Brady and Breeze do. Yep. Even Russell Wilson, when he in the first round there, I mean, Russell Wilson. He's about 30. Yeah. I mean, you've got guys that are, are it's an aging conference. We've got to find some young blood and get this NFC going again. But... Ultimately, I think so. What what my prediction is: Buffalo and Cleveland in the AFC title game, and I'm going Packers Saints in the NFC title game. And we're on the same pack. I'm going Packers Saints, and I'm I'm going Chiefs and Ravens. Oof! So we we could have a big split there um, when it comes to the AFC side of things. Come on, you don't want to see the Buffalo Bills? I mean, if it wasn't playing the Ravens, I'd be all, <laughs> all on board. Oh, so that's our show for today. Um, and uh, I'm I'm actually feeling uh, pretty excited for this weekend. Saturday, Sunday, you get four games of football this weekend. And you, get a, you get a break in the action. You, we have, on the Saturday, you have the morning to kind of chill and relax with football, and then on Sunday, you get the evening. Right. Instead of just the wham, wham, wham that you had during Super Wild Card Weekend. Now, um, I want to take take a look here at how these games are, are scheduled out. Um, for, this, for this weekend? Yeah, for this weekend. Yeah, it looks like yeah. all, of them, all of them are evening time games. All of them. You get... Uh, the Saturday games you're gonna get 4:35 and 8:15, and then on Sunday you get 3:05 and 6:40, which is did they always do it like that? It's always usually been 4:25 and 8:15. I thought. Well, one day was always 4:25 and 8:15. The other day was one and four. Yeah, I don't. That 3:05 and 6:40 is more of like what they used to, they used to do for the AFC champ, the championship games. Right. But either way, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see it. This is gonna be an exciting exciting weekend. Um, filled with good football. So I hope everybody enjoys it. Um, Tyler, are you excited? Nervous. Nervous, yeah, because your boys are there. See, you got that emo- emotional investment there. Um, but I feel absolutely wonderful about it, um, other than the fact that my boys aren't in the playoffs. Um, so thank you so much for listening. I just want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor at It's Your Time Massage. Tyler, have you gotten a massage?
uh, focused on Ravens right now. We'll, t- we'll talk about a massage next time. Maybe that'll help relax you if you get a massage. So uh, uh, I'm not sure. You got to get a massage. It's your time massage. Uh, Amanda's a wonderful, wonderful massage therapist. She does amazing work. Um, and I highly recommend anybody check out IYTMassage.com or you can check her out on Facebook at It's Your Time Massage. And uh, Tyler, we, we are rocking and rolling. We're getting, and you know, we're getting closer and closer every, ta- every day to my favorite time of the year. Free agency and the draft. Those are my favorite times of the year. Still got a lot of football before that, though. Yeah, I know, but I just get excited for it. We're going to be, and, and in the next couple of weeks, we, we're going to get through the conference championship. We're going to get through the Super Bowl. I'm sure there's going to be more more coaching carousel stuff, but in the coming weeks here, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the draft. We're going to start talking about draft order. We're going to start talking about mocks. We're going to start talking about free agency. Guys are going to be on the board. We got stuff to get to, but first we got to finish up these playoffs. You are absolutely correct. But um, thank you so much for listening, folks, and uh, we will see you next week right here on the Outside Blitz. Go Ravens! Boo! Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz, and feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.